0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. You know, sometimes Christianity gets a bad rap. And it's presented as a, a list of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. And, and that's really not the essence of Christianity. Christianity is a living relationship with a living God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that connection to Him. That connection to Him is what gives us the potential to overcome all the negatives that come our way. We're doing a series called "Greater Than." You and God are greater than. And this, this morning, I want to talk about staying connected, even in the dark times. I wish I could tell you that everything in life was going to be good. Hey, if you come to church, if you have a relationship with the Lord, everything is going to be good. Everything is going to be great. That would be a lie. Because we're not in heaven yet. And I think we have to understand some things. One, evil is present among us. I think last week we saw evil present with the Walmart shootings, with the shootings in Ohio. And we have to understand that, and listen, if your theology makes room for the fact that there is a Satan and he hates mankind, then it's a lot easier to justify how some of this stuff can take place. Understand evil's here. You say, well, Alan, when do we get rid of it? (laughs) When do we go to heaven? And I don't know about you, but I'm not quite ready to go just yet. So I'm going to hang on. But we have to understand evils here. We also have to understand that there are people who do things that are wrong. They do wrong things, bad things. And just you know, look straight ahead. Maybe you came with your family today. Your in-laws are here. Just look straight ahead. Don't look at me. Don't, don't, don't look at anybody else and, and like give those eyeballs and no, no elbows. But the idea is you know, people... You can't control what people do. Sometimes sometimes people just do bad stuff. There are two brothers in a small southern community down down south who just dominated this this little county for decades. If it was illegal, they had a hand in it. Drugs, prostitution, gambling. They They beat their wives and children. They cheated, they lied, they bullied people. And one of the brothers unexpectedly died. And the older brother came in and he he spoke to the pastor of the largest church in the area. He said, Pastor, he said, I'd like for you to handle my brother's funeral. He said, but I need you to say in the funeral publicly that my brother was a saint. The pastor looked at him and said, your brother was anything but a saint. The older brother said, I understand that, but it really means a lot to me personally. If you would say publicly he was a saint, And he pulls a checkbook out and said, and I'm prepared to write the church a check for $100,000 for saying that. And pastor looked at him. He slid the check across. pastor looked at it, took the check, put it in his pocket. That day, the church was packed for the funeral. The pastor stood up to do the eulogy. He stands up and he smiles. He said, everybody knows that the deceased here was a wicked, sinful man. He was evil. He did wrong to his wife. He abused his kids. He was involved in everything illegal in this area. He was a horrible man, but compared to his older brother, he was a saint. But there are people that do bad things. We know that. And we live in a world that is, it really operates, if you think about it, how much negativity, how much fear, how much selfishness is in this world that we live in. It's just, it's prevalent. But you say, well, none of that is good news. What's the the good news here? The good news is Jesus told us this was gonna happen. Jesus did not, he didn't candy coat things. He told us it was gonna happen. Look what it says here in John 16. Jesus said, I've told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus is saying, hey, in this world there's going to be evil, there's going to be bad people, there's going to be negativity and fear. He said, but you don't have to be discouraged in me. He said, connected to me. That's why our connection with him is so important, because we stay connected to the one who overcame it all, and that's why his ability to overcome it all. And when we stay connected to him, guys, we're not talking about just Sunday connection. And I'm glad that you're here on Sunday, but my desire is that you would stay connected with him all during the week. That it's more than just a Sunday faith. That's a real living faith because that gives us the ability to deal with things and, and the challenges and the problems that come up and to handle it with a positive attitude. Now, I saw this played out firsthand. Many of you know Joy's story but how 27 years ago she was diagnosed with acute chronic pancreatitis. Michael had just been born. Matthew was nine. Christina was about six. And Joy had such intense pain that she carried hydrocodone around in her pocket all the time because when the pain would hit, it was devastating. I can remember watching her on the floor just just curled up in a fetal position crying. I watched her crawl up the steps. But what was amazing to me was she did not take it out on us. She was not unkind. She was not, she was, she was not difficult. I mean, she, she had to deal with this intense pain. In fact, we were afraid we were going to lose her there for a little bit. Her color was bad. Her weight was down. And she kept on. But what I haven't told enough is how. See, Joy stayed connected. She asked me to do one thing for her. She said, Alan, I'm just asking you to do one thing. Help me get up in the morning. The mornings were hard for her. And so when I would get her up in the morning, I'd have to help her sit up and then I'd rub her back because evidently the pain was all in her back. And I'd rub her back so she could get out of bed. And sometimes I would beg her, I'd say, honey, please, lie down, get some rest. And she'd look at me with fire. She's a And, and she, you know, she can fire up at times. She looked at me, there was fire in her eyes. She says, no. She said, this is my strength. My wife would get out of bed way before the kids got up. And she'd go sit out in the chair in the living room and she'd read her Bible and she would pray and she would go through her healing scriptures. And she did that morning after morning after morning. But she connected to the one who overcame sin and sickness and death and disease. And it didn't happen overnight. But by the time we started the church, three years later, my wife was free and clear of all acute chronic pancreatitis. And we were so blessed. With that. But Joy stayed connected. We're talking about a young man in the Bible who stayed connected, and he stayed connected, especially in the hard times. His name is Joseph. The Bible devotes in Genesis a lot of chapters to Joseph. He's an amazing person. Joseph was born into a family, had a lot of problems. There were four wives and twelve brothers. That's a lot of jealousy and testosterone, right the same family. And inside of that, Joseph, Joseph was the most loved, he was the most favored. And he would often he would tell his brothers about how God had given him dreams. and God did. He gave him two dreams about Joseph being a ruler. So he had this, this dream from God about being a ruler. Of course, he told his brothers that really endeared them to him. and it's like, great. In fact, they hated him so much, they were so jealous of him, because he was the obvious favorite, because he had these dreams, they were going to kill him. Now you think you've got a bad family. They were going to kill him. It's like, "Let's kill him." Then they thought, "Oh, we've got a better idea. Let's don't kill him. Let's sell him, and he can be a slave. So what a messed up family. And they sold him to a group of, like a caravan, you know, Campbell's caravans, traders, Ishmaelite traders coming through. They sold Joseph, and Joseph was, went down to Egypt, the most powerful nation at that time, and they sold Joseph to be a slave to a man named Potiphar. He was like the captain of the Pharaoh's bodyguard, almost like the Secret Service, high-ranking official, wealthy man. But Joseph had been purchased. So he's gone from being in a hateful position to being now a slave as a young man. you think all of his dreams were gone. But Joseph made the best of a bad situation. Look at a little bit of his story here. When his master Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household... And of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Now, I can tell you two things right now about Joseph. Now, it doesn't tell us this directly in the Bible, but I can tell you that Joseph had a good work ethic and Joseph had a good attitude. Say, said, well, how do you know that, Alan? He said, because a man who's risen in the ranks like Potiphar, a man who leads other people, you just don't put somebody with a stinky attitude and, and who won't work a lazy person. You don't go, well, I feel sorry for them. I'm going to put them in charge of everything. You don't do that. It's obvious he had a great work ethic. It's, he knew how to work. He grown up in a family had a sheep business. So he knew what to do and he knew how to work. And the Bible said the Lord was with him and everything Joseph did, the Egyptian could see this man, this man is blessed. He might've called it the golden touch. But he saw everything that Joseph did. So Joseph had to have a good attitude. If every time he'd walked in and Joseph was walking around with this surly look on his face, you don't look at someone like that and go, I so want to promote you. No, that's not the type of person you promote. You promote the ones who wake up in the morning. They're ready to go. They come in, they they take initiative. They do things. Joseph had a great worth ethic. But here's the beautiful thing. The Bible said everything that Joseph put his hand to, God blessed. And so Joseph gave God something he could bless. His work, his attitude, he gave God something that he could, he could work with and he blessed the Egyptian. The Egyptian was blessed because of Joseph. You know, I really believe that as God's people, we ought, whoever our employers are, they ought to be blessed because we're there. Yeah, listen, I told a guy that one time, a sales call. He said, why should I hire you? I said, because you hire me. I said, I'm a tither. I, I, I honor the Lord. I'm blessed, and so will you. He hired me. He loved that idea. He thought that was a great idea. You you know, even people who don't know the Lord like people who are blessed working for them. And so, listen, Joseph gave God something to work with. And you think, this is great. Joseph's life is on an upward trajectory. It was, and it got worse. Look at what happened next. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome. Bible doesn't say, the Bible says you're well built and handsome, you is. And after (laughs) after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. He refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Now, this is the Bible, guys. In fact, this is the first instance of a cougar in the Bible. She. Uh... Now, don't let that be the only thing you remember from this message. So what y'all talk about today? We talk about cougars in the Bible, huh? Here he, listen, she, she, here's the one thing we know about Joseph. She, she's enticing him day after day. And Joseph, Joseph must not have been a bitter man. You know, bitter is that anger and resentment. People who carry a bitterness often carry a victim's mentality. If anyone could have felt like a, a victim, it could have been Joseph. He could have thought, well, what have I got to lose? I'm a slave. So he could have been bitter against his master. He could have been bitter against God. God's abandoned me. Here I am. I'm supposed to be a ruler. Now I'm a slave. But he wasn't bitter. He said, how can I sin against God? He looked at the wife. He said, I'm, I'm in charge of everything. How could I do this? He had integrity, and he was honorable before his master and before God. And he wouldn't do it. And he, he avoided her. She's in the, in the house going, hey, Joseph. And he's like, oh, get me away from you. So one day he's in the house. I'm, I'm going to have to convince this story. One day he's in the house. There's nobody there, and she grabs him. Kind of like what Joy did when we first met. I was just walking, <laughs> she grabbed him. Not really. Uh, but it's my version, and I'm sticking with it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she grabbed him, and she grabbed him, and, and she said, come, come on, and he, she grabbed his coat. He ran out of his coat. That's a great way to get away from temptation. Run the other way. And he ran. And she, she there's a, there's a Uh, an old adage that says hell hath no fury like a woman scorned now that's not actually a bible verse but there's a lot of truth in it and so well she was angry and she and she fabricated a lie that joseph came in to rape her and she told that lie to her husband and when potiphar came home this is what happened she told him this story that hebrew slave you brought us came into me to make sport of me but as soon as i screamed for help He left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here he is. He's trying to do the right thing. And now this lady's lying about him. And she lied. And not only did she lie about him, she played the race card. She said, this Hebrew slave. The Egyptians were the most powerful nation at that time. And the Egyptians actually looked down on every other people group. The Egyptians thought they were superior. And so now she's playing the race card, not just the slave, the Hebrew slave. As let, 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 me, let me talk to you just a second about racism. Racism is not an American problem, a Republican problem, a Democrat problem. It's a human problem. It has existed for as long as people looked up and go, you have brown eyes and I have blue eyes, I'm better. And the brown eyed person's going, no, I'm better. It exists. It's in the earth. And we're a multicultural church. We have people from all races here. So, how are you able to do that? Is there a government program that's going to solve that? No, there's not. Listen, it, it's it's prevalent. When Joy went to Italy to see her family, she has family members that she knows in Italy, and they would. She met some people in in northern Italy, and they said, "Oh, they said you're Italian too." She said, "Yes, I'm Italian. I'm 100% Italian." They said, "Where are you from?" She said, Southern Italy, Bari. And they went, oh. So evidently, the Northern Italians looked down on the Southern Italians. And so you think, well, everyone's the same, right? No, no, listen, listen. You say, how do you, how do you overcome racism? I tell you how you overcome racism. Where there's an emphasis on grace, there's less emphasis on race. When you have, when you have people, listen. Paul, Paul wrote the church. He said, listen, in Christ, He said, there's not a Greek or Jew. There's not slave or free. There's not barbarian or Scythian. He said, you're all one in Christ. And the beauty about being a Christian is when we exalt being in Christ over our backgrounds. And by the way, if you do a DNA test, you might wind up with a surprise because some some of the people groups you hate, you is. (laughs) Take it from someone who's half Jewish. So... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Surprised? Joseph was lied about. Joseph was put in prison. He was prejudiced against, but the Bible said, but the Lord was with him. And even though this young man has gone through a lot more adversity than a lot of us ever have, here he is in prison and the Lord was with him. And God calls Joseph to prosper, to do well, even in prison, even in prison, the prison warden just made him the head over the whole prison. How in the world do you do that? You just don't look at someone and go, "Hey, I just like you I'll make you the head." He noticed Joseph must have kept a good attitude. He must have never abandoned his dream that God was still with him. and with God's help, Joseph became greater than the prison, than the prejudice, than the pit than the slavery. Joseph continued to overcome. Now what if we had a conversation with Joseph? What if you actually could sit down and have a cup of coffee with Joseph and say Joseph? Would you be my mentor? Would you talk to me? Would you, would you help me in life? Could you give me some advice? I bet he could. I bet one of the things Joseph could tell us would be this. You want to stay connected to God's blessings. So how, what do you mean stay connected? How do I do that? Two, two key things, obedience and action. In Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter is called the blessing chapter. All these blessings will come on you. This is God talking to his people and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God and the Lord will send a blessing on your barns, and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he's giving you. Obeying the Lord and doing what he said, obedience and action. When the Lord had put it on our heart in 1996 for us to start a church, I, I, was, I was praying about it, but I was, I was delaying. I was praying, and I was, I, was, I was praying, but I wouldn't go do some things. I, I, wouldn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't moving action, and I called my, my wife one day, And I called her from the car. This was back, I think this is 23 years ago. Y'all remember when cell phone used to cost a lot of money? The minutes? So I called Joy, and Joy had had enough of me. And she's, man, she read me the Riot Act. She's finally, she said, Alan, she said, you need to go out there and do something. She said, you remind me of a kid sitting by the side of the pool watching everybody else swim, and you won't even get in the water. You need to get in the water. I'm thinking, not only am I getting chewed out, I'm paying for this. This is extremely expensive. (laughs) And I hung up the phone. I went, she's right again. And within six weeks, we'd found a place and we just, we started the church. We started with, with virtually nothing and virtually nobody, but we gave God something he could bless. And he did. A year later, we had 300 people and I was working full-time for an insperity and working at the church. And insperity was getting the short end of the stick. And a friend of mine, Keith Moore, came in. He was, he was going to be speaking that Sunday. I said, Keith, man, I'm, I'm just working. I, I, I need to be able to go full-time. And it, it's really getting to be pressured. And Keith, he said to me, he looked at me, he said, Alan, he said, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. Oh, why me? <laughs> and so I, the next week I walked in, and, and told my sales manager, I said, Jay, I need to resign. I need to leave. I said, I'm living in two worlds. In to y'all are getting the short end of the stick. I need to resign. I need to spend all my time with the church. He looked at me and said, so you want to talk about your severance package? Honestly, guys, I did not know what a severance package was. I was in sales. We never got severance packages. We got, the, we got a box. And uh, I, I said, uh, yeah. They, Sure, severance package, sounds good. You know, when in doubt, just agree. Yeah, sounds like a great idea. They paid me for a full year. They gave full benefits, full pay. But here's the key. Alan had to get going and had to give God something he could bless. Now, here's my question. Is there anything you could be doing? See, a lot of times we pray, God, would you bless me? Would you help me? Would you bless me? And God's saying, would you give me something I can do? People pray about their finances all the time. God, would you help us in our finances? i got to ask the question, are you giving God anything he can bless? Are you tithing? Are you, are you honoring him with the tithe? Tithe is the first 10%. Are you, you say, well, I don't, I don't know if I have enough faith to tithe. Can you do 2%? Can you do 4 Can you work your way there? Can you give God something he can work with? Can you start moving that direction? Y'all got quiet. Did I lose you? People say, I, I want to. I want a job. I, mean, I want a better job. Are you doing a good job where you are? Yep, same silence enveloped the first crowd, too, so don't <laughs> I just, hey, are you doing a good job where you are? And then if you are, why don't you go look for one? Don't wait for one to drop in your life. Give God something He can work with. But if you'll give Him something He can work with, He can bless you. Are you looking for a mate? Clean up and go. Go look for somebody. Don't wait for them to just show up at your door and go, I'm Mr. Right. It ain't going to happen. So you can believe God for that, but give him something to work with. Here's the second thing. If you talk to Joseph and say, Joseph, man, what would help my life? Here's what Joseph would tell you. Bitter won't make you better. Mm. What do you mean? By, man, you don't realize what people have done to me. Listen, you don't have to be that old to know that people, you will never be able to control people. circumstances. You can only control your response. And bitter, that anger, that resentment that that gets in you, it doesn't put you in a good place. Not towards people, not towards God. Don't let bitterness derail you. Don't let it stop you from connecting with God and his blessings that are going to enable you to get over. Listen, it's worth getting rid of. Just say, Lord, I I don't want to hold on to bitterness. You know, I I read about a guy who said he's up in Canada in a rural community where they grew tobacco. He said his first job was hoeing weeds in the tobacco. He said, and he was, when he would come to the end of the row, he said, hoeing was not bad. He said, when they come to the end of the row, there's all these thistles there, little thistles, he said, and, and near the fence, and you couldn't hoe them out. You had to actually get on your knees and reach down and pull them out by the roots, and he said, man, it was a hassle. It's hard, and, and they asked the farmer Why why don't It would be a lot easier just to leave them alone. He said, yeah, but the farmer said, but if you leave them alone, these thistles will grow. And as they get big, they develop these thorns. So when you begin to harvest the tobacco, you reach down to grab a tobacco leaf and you grab a whole handful of thorns and it's painful. This man said, you know, bitterness is the same way. Bitterness is, man, it can get in you and it just won't go away. You can't just push it away. You really have to get on your knees. And ask God to help you root it out of your life. And to say, Lord, I I don't want to be bitter. If I need to forget, I I don't want bitterness. Because you know what? It hurts me and it hurts the people around you. Bitter won't make you better. But here's the last one. Joseph, what would help me in life? Joseph would say, you know what? You need to develop a but God perspective. What do you mean a but God perspective? I mean, whatever you're going through, say, I may be going through this, but God. But God what? but God can help me, but God can heal me, but God can strengthen me, but God can give me wisdom, but God can, can help me prosper. God can help me, but God. Romans eight thirty one says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We gotta say, but God, but God, I'm gonna be greater than these things. As I was thinking about this story, I thought about a friend of mine. I met him 23 years ago. His name was Bill Sweeney. Bill and his wife, Mary, had come to the church when we were over in the roller ring. Brought their two little girls, two precious, they were little bitty things, precious. What a wonderful family. Bill became one of our very first board members. Godly man, good man. But Bill had been diagnosed with ALS. Some people call it Lou Gehrig's disease. It just slowly begins to paralyze you. And Bill lost his ability to speak. He lost his ability to work with his hands. And... Uh, and, and pretty, he's pretty much paralyzed. Here's a picture of Bill and his family. You see, Bill is still alive. The average ALS patient lives between three and five years. Bill's at 23 and counting. That's his beautiful family that, that he has up there. He's watched his girls grow up. He's, he's held his grandchildren. Well, actually, he hadn't held them. He just, he's, he's been able to, to connect with them and touch their lives. And when I asked Bill, I said, Bill, can I tell your story? Bill wrote me this in response. He said, when I was diagnosed with ALS 23 years ago, I had to resign from the job I enjoyed and provided for us financially. I gradually became paralyzed and lost my ability to speak. For more than two decades, I've been imprisoned in my own body. He said, it's a pathetic jail cell. Smiley face. But Mary and I have learned that if we look to God in the dark times, The light of God's grace shines brighter and brighter. It's been a long and difficult trial, but God's grace has given us peace and even joy. And he's provided us for for us financially. Even after Mary was laid off from the job she's had for almost 30 years, we felt a peace and continue to feel that peace. He talked about a, a campaign and through other means, he said, God has blessed us and we have never missed a mortgage payment or been late at paying any of our other bills. God has been so good to us and I know that he will walk with his other children through their trials. This is a man that says, God has been so good to us. A man that has been unable to speak or write and say, well, how did he get you an email? Would you you put the next thing up? That's a special computer that Bill has where he's able to look at letters on a screen and a letter at a time and and then sometimes a word will pop up, much like our Intuitive much like how you know Apple does with us. And that's another story, but, uh, but but Bill is is able to one letter at a time write this. And you know, and the the beautiful thing about Bill, he's been a friend of mine for years. In the case I would get these emails from him, always encouraging, always uplifting. And Bill doesn't just sit there and waste time. You know what he does? He writes one letter at a time. He writes emails to people all over the world. He's part of a ministry that answers questions about that people have about Christianity. And he has contacts all over the world that he writes. And he's led people to the Lord, sitting in a wheelchair, paralyzed, because he believed that he and God were greater than the ALS that's come against him. And it's just, it's wonderful. Now here's, here's a shameless plug for Bill. He's got something called, uh, he's got a blog called Unshakable Hope. And if I've ever, I've never, I've never endorsed a blog before, I'm endorsing that one. Because it, just when you think, man, I'm having a bad day, go read Bill's blog and realize he's still at it, still making a difference. Now, let me ask the question what's imprisoned you? Is it a family situation, financial situation? Is it a, maybe is it just something that you're dealing with emotionally that's kept you in prison, that's kept you bound? Here's the good news. If God can help Bill, he can help you. If God can help Joseph, he can help you. If God can help us, he can help you. And you can be greater than whatever is coming against you. You and God are a majority. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? Please, no one leaving or moving just out of respect for the Lord and respect for the people around you. If you came this morning and said, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord, and I, but I want that. Or I don't know that, I, I'm not sure where I stand with God. Or maybe you're like I was. You, you had a relationship and then you just knew you walked away. You gotten so far away from God. But today you're thinking, I, I, I want to I come back. I want to reconnect. Making that connection with him is the greatest decision you'll ever make. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. I'm just going to ask you one thing not going to ask you to stand up. not going to ask you to come to the front. But if you would like to say, Alan, I would like prayer. I want to connect with God or I want to reconnect with him. Would you pray for me? This needs you to shoot your hand up real quickly across the auditorium. If you say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Anybody else? Say, Alan, would you pray for me? Yeah, I got you. Way right in the back. Anybody else? Great. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you for your courage. It's not easy to do that. It's a step of faith, but it's a good one. Anybody else? We're going to close. This is wonderful. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you're thinking, I really, I really wanted to do that. You can do that. You can pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you. We're going to pray that's as a whole church family. We're going to join you in this prayer. You're not alone here. But pray this out loud. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. If you would please, just for a moment, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer. Some have stepped out of darkness into your light and some have come back home and we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, those who know you, who are walking with you, thank you for helping us strengthen that connection. Thank you, Lord, that with you, all things become possible. And the things that have hemmed us and imprisoned us in the past do not have to dictate our future. Thank you for that promise. For that hope, we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about the Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.